You are now tuned in to the December 26er podcast, where we encourage you to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. What's up, 26ers? Welcome to another episode of the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Delisha, and this episode features life coach and media personality, Deja Vu. Now, you might be saying, I know that name. Deja's on the radio. Yes, Deja is a vet in the radio business and has had a longstanding career as an on-air personality. She can currently be heard on Sirius XM's The Heat, as well as 107.5 WBLS out of New York. But she is so much more than that, and I'm so happy that I got an opportunity to speak to her about her personal and professional journey. And she also dropped some major news about her career, and I am super excited for her. Now, one last thing before we jump into it. If you listen to the show often, you know that I ask every single guest the same question. Describe a time when you had to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. But Deja is such a pro at this that she dropped so many nuggets in her personal and professional story about forging ahead in the face of disappointment or not knowing what's next. So I never even had to ask. So listen, be encouraged, be inspired, I know you are going to enjoy this one. Go ahead and take a listen. Deja vu. Welcome to the December 26th podcast. Yay. Thank you for having me. Can I just say, you know, when I come into these episodes, I'm pretty relaxed. Mm-hmm. Like I just get on the mic, do my thing. And I'm like, it's just a conversation. But because you do this for a living, <laughs> like you're a media personality, I was like, I got to bring my A game today. Girl, <laughs> please. We are just going to be having a conversation. Yes. But I'm very excited. We were able to get you on. We know you've got to go to work. You've actually already been to work mm-hmm. and you've got to go to work again in a couple of hours. So so hopefully you make this good and yes. efficient and you can get on with your day. But anyway, tell me, who is Deja Vu? Deja Vu is a motivational speaker. She is a Jesus chick all the way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, she's the one who has passion for life and a zest to help others achieve what their goals are. I like that. A passion for life and a zest to help others achieve what their goals are, which is what this podcast is all, all about. So this is why we wanted to have you on. Now, people may hear this and say, I know Deja. She's on the radio. Mm-hmm. Right. They may think that you get up, you go to Sirius, you go to WBLS, mm-hmm. you do your time and then that's it. You collect your check and that's the end of it. But you actually do many other things. You're yes. a coach, you're a speaker, et cetera. So was that always the goal that you would do radio and the motivational side of things as well? Or did that evolve over time? I think it started out that I was in love with radio, mm-hmm. but when I first got into radio, I was partying and wilding out and everything, but I always was volunteering. Even when I was just starting to intern at a radio station, I would go from the station and volunteer at a community center mm-hmm. because I just, I don't know, I love the connection with the people and just helping. After I got grounded in my career, I realized that we have a lot of power behind the microphone. People listen to you. They listen to every little word that you say. They can tell you what you said about so-and-so's dress at the Emmys or whatever. And I'm like, yo, I need to do something with this. And I was always still doing motivational speaking along the side, but I started doing a more concentrated effort. So I started with my youth groups and talking to kids in high schools and everything. And now it has evolved and me doing more things with young professionals and even women who are um, seasoned professionals Mm -hmm. that are looking for that next, that second act. Absolutely. So was radio your first act? Is this what you always wanted to do? I wanted to do broadcast. I thought I was going to be in TV. Deja Vu, NBC News, New York. I I thought that was where I was going to be, but I got the internship at the radio station and that just kind of took off from there. So the rest, as they say, is history. It's been fun. I mean, you've had a long career in this business, Mm -hmm. which we know people come and go. Right. They they're flash in the pan. It happens. Why? What do you attribute to your staying power? I think because I love what I do. Number one. Number two, I realized that there's more to just being on the mic. Like I said, you have to get out there and touch the community because those are the people who are going to tune in to listen to your show. Absolutely. Oh yeah, she came and talked to my daughter's school and they had such and such. Oh, deja vu. Come on out here for so-and-so. And I'm not turning my nose up because these are my people. So I feel that we have a connection. Mm-hmm. And even as the technology is changing and people are being able to source their music from other places, again, the connection is what's going to distinguish you from just a Spotify or a Pandora where there's just straight music. Right. To where, hey, I want to listen to what she has to say, or that's my girl, or Deja, what you cooking for your hubby tonight? Because I always talk, you know, those kinds mm-hmm. of things. I'm not afraid to share because they're my friends. 
Absolutely. So did you ever have a moment as all these other mediums popped up to say, is there going to be a job for me? Did you ever question that? Absolutely. We still are. I was just having a conversation with my friend. He's like, you know, radio's dying out. Don't say that, dude. We in this. Don't, do <laughs> right. don't kill us off yet. But yes, it, it is kind of scary. But again, you have to distinguish yourself with personality and you have to learn to embrace these new technologies as well. We are all on social media. I remember when I first got to WBLS, a lot of the staff was just kind of like, social media, we're not there right. yet. Because I was coming from a hip hop station where they were really aggressive with it. And on the urban AC side, which is a little more, you know, seasoned adult side, they were just kind of like, ah. but now they see the importance of it. Because if you don't, you're not going to be able to reach your listeners because that's where they are. Right. Back in the day, it was just radio and TV. Mm -hmm. Now you have internet, you have podcasts, you have videos. People can see, they want to see you. So we have to grow with the technology and not be afraid of it. And then also learn to extend your brand. Absolutely. That's where my whole Hustle Her movement comes in because I'm about to be left behind. <laughs> Y'all ain't about to leave me on these streets. So we're going to definitely talk about Hustle Her for sure because I have a connection to Hustle Her. Yes. And um, I want to make sure that we get that out there to the public. But take me back to when it just was terrestrial radio and okay. TV and you were bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and young. Mm -hmm. How did you break into that first internship? I got into the internship by going up to the radio station. So I had a crazy situation with my college stuff. I had to leave school, Norfolk State University, um, and go back home because really? they said that they had reevaluated my financial need and they needed this amount of money by this date. And my parents were like, we don't have that money. So you got to come back home. So it was very traumatic. And I was like, no. I'm one of the ones that's going to be most likely to succeed. I'm this. I'm Miss School Spirit. I can't leave. Haven't had my HBCU experience. So anyway, went home, went back working at the grocery store, doing what I was doing, just depressed, trying to take, you know, classes here and there locally. Meanwhile, mm -hmm. my friends, I'm from Florida, so all my friends were at FSU or right. Florida, uh, FAMU. And I was like, why didn't I just stay in Florida? Because mm -hmm. I could have just gotten cheaper rates, but I didn't want to be around all my friends. I wanted to be different. So anyway, I ended up back home. But um, I was working these jobs. I was working at the grocery store and also something called Venus Swimwear and doing customer service. Mm -hmm. So one day in between those jobs, I had a dream that I went and applied to the radio station. Really? So I went there and applied at the radio station. Wait, wait, back up. That's before. Okay. Internship. I was driving and I heard that there was a new radio station on. This is back when you had the dial, girl. You had to turn, <laughs> you had to it, turn it. Listen, y'all ain't gonna be aging me, but I'm saying I was on the cusp. But no, I heard there was a new radio station. So I took this thing called the Yellow Pages. I don't know if you guys heard of that. Um, <laughs> the youngins who listen to the show are probably like, what is she right. talking about? So I. It's a Google. It's like a book form Google. So I Googled where this station was, girl. And I went up there cold. This is when you have to be bold yes. and audacious and really having a passion for it. I went up there to that whatever floor it was like 25 floors up. And I met the owners because it was a small, small mom and pop station. Mm -hmm. It was before all of the big conglomerates came and bought up everything. Right. So I was like, please, can I be an intern and I can do whatever. And then you have a form. They didn't even have forms for me to fill out for an internship. It was just that, you know, small. Wow. And uh, the husband, who was the general manager, Mr. Fred Matthews. Hi, Mr. Matthews. He was like, I don't like interns. They don't never do anything, whatever. So his wife came around the corner, Miss Anna Matthews. Hi, Miss Anna. And she was like, Fred, why don't you let the girl intern? And I was like, please, I'll go get coffee. I'll make copies. I just need to get my foot in the door because you know what? I am going to bet on me. I'm Absolutely. not betting on the horse. I'm betting on the jockey, baby, because I'm going to ride this thing on. Okay? <laughs> so they gave me the foot in the door, child. I was up in there in between my jobs because they couldn't pay me. So I'm just interning and getting credit and stuff. And um, their 13-year-old son taught me how to run the board. Are you serious? Girl, I was like, no, we'll be paying what? <laughs> what? How much? So do I need to go back? Because I'm like, if I'm if the 13-year-old is telling me how to do this, what? But I worked there as an intern. And then after the internship was final, I was still just coming up there. And that was a year and a half, no pay. Wow. And people don't understand. Like when you have a passion for something, you will do it for free. And people say that it's very cliche, but I didn't care because I wanted to get my foot in the door. And you have to remember coming from having been kicked out of school pretty much. Right. My friends are in here pledging and doing whatever. And I'm like, 
back at the grocery store scanning groceries. Son, we got to make this dream come to life. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's kind of how it happened. And it just kind of, you know, snowballed from there. And so I stayed there doing the internship. And during that time, I had that dream about going to mm -hmm. apply. It was Dr. Martin Luther King holiday, girl. I'll never forget. So had the day off from the jobs, had the day off from the, um, you know, the other radio station. And they were like a jazz station and grown music. I was a teenager still doing this all jazz weekend. Oh my girl. gosh. So you were like a youngin yes. on a jazz station. Yes. But it was about the experience. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So then when I had that dream, I went and applied at the, what would be considered like a hip hop station, Hot 97, mm -hmm. Power 105.1. I went to apply at that station because I was like, listen, I did the jazz. We tried to get up in here. And I had the dream. So, so crazy. And I know it sounds bananas. Martin Luther King's dream. I had the dream. I went and applied. So they had application form because this mm -hmm. is a real station. As I'm filling out the application, the program director, Mickey Johnson. Hi, Mickey. Mickey Johnson comes out and he says, who are you? And you know, I'm ready because I've been practicing. In yes, the absolutely. Okay. Hi, I'm Deja. Nice to meet you. <laughs> He's like, do you have an air check? And I was like, a who? So an air check is a recording of your voice when you are on the air. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that. So he's like, go get an air check. Bring that back to me. How am I going to get an air check? I don't have an air check. Mr. Matthews knew that he did not have money to pay me. And he knew that he wanted me to grow. They recorded some stuff for me. And I did a commercial for Real Deal Auto Sales and some other stuff. And I took it back to the program director, Mickey Johnson. Mickey called me that next day, whatever, and offered me a job. And how old were you? I was like 19. And were you taking local classes at that I point? I was taking local classes at the community college. Okay, so there are a couple of lessons here, right? Because I think one thing that people say about the millennials and the younger generation is that we don't want to work for it. I'm on like the cusp, mm -hmm, like the mm -hmm. old head millennial, <laughs> that micro generation. Um, but in any case, they say that we don't want to work for it or we hide behind our computers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we drop an email, we send a text and it's like, they didn't respond to me, right? So I think... I'm a firm believer that you got to get back to that old school way when we couldn't rely. It's easy to send a message, but sometimes right. you got to meet people at the event they're at or exactly. or just, you know, you might get tackled by security in this day and age <laughs> if you just show up. But there are opportunities to get closer to people. So Absolutely. I think that's an important message is mm -hmm. taking it a step further and mm -hmm. not just relying on that carefully crafted email. And also one thing that I always say is that everything that happens in your life, good and bad, is pushing you into your purpose and the direction that you're supposed mm -hmm. to be. And I think your story is a prime example of that because who goes to school, gets a financial aid package, and then the school comes back and says, actually, that was incorrect. I've never heard of that happening before. And looking back, my parents never countered. Mm -hmm. I never countered. I just was desperate and I just fell apart with that and then went back home. But hearing you say that, now why didn't they come back up there and right. like, wait a minute? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> right. And it was my mom's armada, so I was like, okay, I'm going to school where my mom went and all this stuff. And girl, it was crazy. But looking back, mm -hmm. again, God already had a plan, a trajectory for me. And it wasn't the traditional. And I think that why I am able to go out and talk to people and say, hey, listen, this has happened. This has happened. And I've had ups and downs way since then, even in the professional realm. But um, having navigated that has given me another a bit of resilience that I didn't know that I had. Right. And also your ability at that age to build relationships. Mm -hmm. Right. Because had you gone into the job and like kind of did an OK, you know, thing with mm -hmm. it and didn't really give 110 percent. Who's to say that Mr. Matthews would have said, all right, do your air checks here. Right. right. So it's giving it 110, even when there's not a check attached or it may not have been the sexiest. You're at a jazz station. Mm -hmm. You're not at the, the hip station mm -hmm. as well. But using every experience as a building block. And I think that is really important and, and something I think people some people inherently have it and some people have to really push themselves into that mold. But every experience is, is a building building block for what's next and to Absolutely. push you into your destiny. Okay. So you're 19, mm -hmm. you got your first paid mm -hmm. gig. You're mm -hmm. still taking classes. Did you finish school there? Mm -hmm. I didn't finish. I still have a year left. Really? I still have a year left. I don't really share that very often. I'm surprised mm -hmm. that I'm sharing that here. I must feel really confident because I still have complexes about that. Okay. Like when I go to a HBCU game or whatever, and I'm just bitter because there was a lot of stuff that went on about my financial aid with my parents mm -hmm. because there was college money and that college money was not available to me when Got I was it. there. And so I was really pissed for a long time, just really bitter. And I had to work through some things. Mm -hmm. So when my friends came home from school, I would just be like, you know, even though I was doing well while they were in there pledging, I was buying my first house at 23. So, you know, it, it, balances right, it out. balances out. But 
again, to have that that uh, piece of paper to set, signify that, hey, I did whatever. But then now I'm looking like, OK, I'm doing whatever. Do I need that? But I still in deep inside, I still want that credibility. Right. But I don't want to do the work for that anymore. I think my mind is just shifted. My mind is just not even there. Um, I was in NYU actually when I first moved to New York mm -hmm. and I just got into some other things and I just, my mindset isn't there yet. So maybe one day I'll do it or maybe I'll just get an honorary. I don't know, but I've worked through Right. But, because I would be really, but I'll be having arguments with my parents. How could you guys do such and such and such? Because again, like I said, there was money there and it's just a whole bunch. I want to be putting my business out, but no, um, I just think they mismanaged my financial mm -hmm. stuff that they had told me that was set aside for my college fund. Mm -hmm. And so it made me even more uh, passionate about helping others. So I have given up college scholarships, go and do this thousand dollars here, thousand dollars there. I paid for my sister's first year of college because I didn't want that same situation happening, right. which was looking like it was creeping up again when she was coming out. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? No, you're going to enjoy. You're going to have I have a um, web domain name that I have not gotten everything done, but it's firstyearfree.org. Wow. That's what I want to be able to do eventually. And I'm setting up my foundation and that's going to be a part of it. So because of everything that mm -hmm. affected me, I want people's first year just to be smooth. And if things arise later, that's fine. But that transitional year when you're first getting into school, you need to be able just to be a kid and well, not a kid, right. but college student while out and have fun. And have yes. A, I was doing that before I got called home. <laughs> Granny was calling Mama. Deja's out of here coming in at three o'clock in the morning because I wasn't staying on campus. Oh, you were Grandma, at your grandmama's house. <laughs> Grandma, why are you snitching? I am a firm believer. Just I'm going to digress a little bit that <laughs> students should live on campus or away yes. that first year. <laughs> Just let your parents leave the voicemail and try to figure out where you are because you're going to live it up that freshman exactly. year. Exactly. I was living it up right in Granny's house and she was not having it. Okay. <laughs> but I love my Granny. But here's the crazy part, right? Because there's a story that Oprah tells about how she got an opportunity before she finished school. Mm -hmm. And she was talking to whomever, a mentor, and they're like, fool, this is why you go to school. Right. right. To I get the opportunity. Yes. Right. So here you are. You've built an illustrious career and we're doing so well for yourself that you were able to buy your first home at 23, put your sister through her first year of school. Mm -hmm. But that ego slips in to yes. say, and especially in New York, right? Because amongst black professionals in New York and industry folks, it doesn't matter how far you are into your career. Mm -hmm. People will be like, oh, where'd you go to school? Exactly. And it even comes down up. south, because I'm from the south, you know, everybody's pledged, whatever, mm -hmm. and they're, they're this and that. And where'd you, where'd you do undergrad and this and that? And I'm like, yeah. And it just, it still pinches a little. But, you know, I've, like I said, I've learned to process and deal with it. Mm -hmm. Um, but don't get me at an HBCU game and I'll be better. I was like, <laughs> I didn't even get a chance to pledge. I didn't get a chance to be a Delta, march across the field. I was just about to audition for the little dancer so I could be on the 50 yard line. Oh, you were fully my... integrated. Girl, I was ready. Are so you... wait, how long were you at school before I was, they so I was there um about a year, a year. And I stayed already I was in Virginia, so I was just hanging out with people and trying to get into the radio station because that's where I was, you know, maneuvering. Um and trying to figure out my life, girl. Because I was really grinding on my own because, again, my parents at that time were going through their own situation mm -hmm. and I had to get my car for myself. My uncle had a co-sign. We were trying to do this car breaking down on the way to school. I'm pushing a car in the street. Snow is falling oh, on me. Oh, Lord. I don't understand. <laughs> Meanwhile, I still had a party to go to because BBD is going to be there. <laughs> oh, you were getting the social time in, even though you were pushing the car. It, yes. But the cool part about it, again, like you said, there are lessons in everything. I was able to work at Arbitron, which was like Nielsen's competitor. Wow. And so I was learning that end of the industry from that aspects. People didn't even know anything about that because they're, they're on the air, but we were working for the company that did the ratings mm -hmm. for the stations and stuff. So it was, it was an experience, a learning experience. So you had the learning experience there. You got your first paid gig. How did you end up in New York? Okay. So I was in Jacksonville, Florida, where I'm from. So I was working at Hot 101.5, 92.7, the beat, um, that cluster. And at the station, Right before um, Mickey, Mickey, my boss, mm -hmm. the guy who hired me, Mickey got fired or demoted. Rather, he went from being the program director to being the promotions director to drive the vans and put up the signs. Wait, really? Yes. That happens. That happens. OK. It was bananas. And he was like, what the heck? So Mickey had um, stuff going on with other people talking to investors who were starting stations in Birmingham. Okay. So Mickey took all the people that he hired to Birmingham, Alabama. So he had to have a meeting with my parents because, again, I'm still young. My parents are like, where are you going? You ain't going nowhere with... <laughs> 
I'm this they dude. Have a meeting. I'm like, mom, but I'm grown. You ain't grown. Sit down. So they had to meet with Mickey to take me to Birmingham. But before I left, there was a man by the name of Doc Winter who came to program the radio station in Jacksonville. Doc later on became like a good friend and a mentor to mm-hmm. me. Doc from that one station in Jacksonville, he was just programming because that station at the time was just an independent and then it got bought and bought and bought. This is when the conglomerates were coming. Doc rose to the level of VP of Urban Programming for iHeartRadio. Wow. But I knew Doc back here when I was back in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. He was in Jacksonville. And he said when he was driving in, moving to town, he heard me on the air. And he was like, Jacksonville has some talent. So whenever I would see Doc, I was in Birmingham, but I would see him at the radio conventions. He would be like, I'm gonna bring you back. I'm like, you can't afford me, sir. So we'd be, <laughs> so we'd be at a banquet in a restaurant and I'd write a number down. No, he'd write a number down. I'm like, nope, scratch it out. And I'd write another number. He's like, I can't do it. Well, then I can't come. And I'm how like, old were you telling people you couldn't afford them? They couldn't afford you? Before me? <laughs> Listen, because I knew I had talent. Because yes. here's what happened. When I was doing the overnights, Mickey had hired me. I was doing midnight to three. Oh, gosh. You had to start somewhere. Yes. And the unfortunate part, they don't really have those anymore. That is true. Automated now. That is true. But anyway, during that time, one of the people, the general manager from the other competitor was calling me, trying to get me to go over there. Then I had some random dude from Guam. He had a station he was starting in Guam and wanted me to come out there. I said, I'm Guam. Come on, Jesus. We about to bring it. We about to bring it. They're doing radio out in Guam. My parents were not letting me go to Guam. (laughs) Okay. But yes, they were doing Guam radio child and they offered me a job. And this is before I left, before Mickey got let down, um, they had offered me money. And I was like, well, these people want to offer me this. I slid a note under Mickey's door. I need this amount. So you were starting a bidding war very Very early in your process. And I I am not mad. I was reading Dennis Kimbrough, Think and Grow Rich of Black Choice. I'm listening to Tony Robbins. Shouts out to my man, Jonathan Riley, who put me on. Jonathan put me on to all of the motivational speakers. Mm -hmm. We would sit in his car in between the shift and listen to Tony Robbins and listen to Les Brown and Zig Ziglar. He taught me that and that stuff gave me that motivation that I needed. Even though on my personal side, my friends are doing whatever Mm -hmm. in school, I'm getting this life lesson and like, oh my God, I can do whatever I put my mind to. It doesn't matter if this has happened to me. I'm going to make this happen. So Mickey was like, what? You want this money? All right, let me see if I can get it. Boom. So I'm getting whatever. It's like 18, Mm 20,000. But for me, at that age and at that time, and that time, balling. <laughs> Look, this is how we were. This is how crazy I was. Okay, I would get the little lanyards. So stupid. They hang the lanyards up in my car so people know this is Deja Vu's car. I was just- I'm so embarrassed. Wait, let me find out you were flossing with the lanyard. Then I got the little, um, I was dating this psycho dude. Got the little (laughs) license plate, Deja and psycho dude. Put that on the front of my car. Like, yes, on my little Dodge Plymouth Sundance. Y'all don't even know about a Sundance. I don't even make that anymore. Have you ever heard of Plymouth? I was was about to say, is Plymouth still a thing? Shut up, Delisha. (laughs) Shut up. I'm sorry. Okay. Apologies. But anyway, yeah. So I was doing that. Back to how I got to New York. Doc... I was still in Birmingham for a while. Things had gone south with me and Mickey. I was mad and just bitter because of a relationship. Ladies, please never dip your pen in the company ink, okay? Because if you do that, it starts all kinds of crazy drama. And remember, I'm still young. Yes. My college years were those years that I was spent in Jacksonville and Birmingham. So I'm still wilding out, partying, getting drunk at the clubs. And then I got this boyfriend that I'm all in love with. And child, that's the story for another. Yeah, because I I was going to get into dating in the industry. We're going to put a pin in that. We're going to put a pin on that. But, But I had gotten so bitter I was ready to go. And so I think they were ready for me to go at mm-hmm. that time. I had worked my way up from music director because I said to Mickey when I left Jacksonville, I'm not going to Birmingham, Alabama, just to be a radio DJ. Right. I need to learn the business because the mu- the money is behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. People think that it's all glory on, this, on the air and it is, but you can do so much more behind the scenes and you have a lot more uh, job security because on the air is very competitive. Mm-hmm. But if I know how to program this radio station, I still got a job. Right. So I went from music director to afternoon um, afternoon host and assistant program director. So I was kind of doing what Mickey was doing. I was his right-hand person. When I got my tonsils out, Mickey brought the whole computer home so, <laughs> to my house so I could do the music programming. Um, so anyway, I was just kind of like, I need to do such and such. And I was feeling myself. And it was bitter at the station. You had the confidence. I could see that. Listen, but you have to. Mm-hmm. You have to because people are going to hate whatever. But if I don't trust me, then where am I, right? Right. First God, then me. Um, so anyway... 
Doc and I have been conversing and Doc said, listen, I'm starting up a station in St. Louis. Did you want to go there? So, you know, market size is important. So St. Lu- uh, Birmingham was market number 50 or something like okay. that at the time. St. Louis was, I think, market number 19 or 20. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm making it to the big time. So I was able to go to St. Louis. Doc put me there. So I got back into the Clear Channel slash iHeart family and I was able to run that station. We launched that station and it was amazing. 100.3 The Beat. Ow. You've been around. I've, that, but that's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. So in your radio career, you have to go where the jobs are. Because like here at Hot 97, how long has Funk Flex been in the market? <laughs> how long has Angie Martinez been in the market? You're not going to be able to get in. Right. Like nobody's booting them off right. the air unless something major happens. Right. Yeah. So you work your way around. So I didn't have any kids. I didn't have any husband. I had get up and go. I moved five times with that company. Wow. And what time frame? Every two years. So in a, in a decade, mm-hmm. you moved five times. Mm-hmm. Maybe not five, maybe three. Okay. But yes, I moved. But I would go, but at one, when I was in St. Louis, that's when they started doing something called voice tracking. Mm-hmm. And that's where I would be on different stations. So 90, 19, 2000, 2000, I was in... St. Louis, and I did um, voice tracking for Kentucky. So I had to go to Kentucky and drive out there and do appearances. Hi, how y'all doing? But I was physically living in St. Louis, but they put me there. I was still on in Jacksonville. So I was getting mini syndication a little bit. I was about to say, this sounds like syndication, but like the old school way. Exactly, the hard way, girl. (laughs) You got to go every place. But you know what? I'm not mad at that because that gives you, again, the opportunity to connect with those people. Mm -hmm. And then once you start extending your brand, which I learned later, that's money. Absolutely. That's opportunity. That's money. That's investment. And that's really how you grow and Mm -hmm. develop. So I did that from uh, Birmingham to St. Louis, St. Louis to Richmond. Richmond, I was only there for eight months when Doc was like, listen, we're starting a station in New York. New York versus Richmond. Hmm. Where, what? (laughs) What should I do? I had just finished unpacking all my boxes, like literally. I had just taken everything out of my storage stuff. Like the grass hadn't even grown under your feet yet. And that was the station I was the official program director for. Because in in, uh, St. Louis, I was APD. They didn't give me the stripes. And I was so bitter. They gave it to a man. Had to teach this man how to do the program. And I was so mad. So mad. Can we talk about how many times a woman is teaching a man to do a job she already knows how to do? Girl. It still happens. All the time. It still happens. And I said, are you kidding me? I hired these people. I groomed these people. These people didn't know anything about X, Y, Z, because a lot of folks were in the dark about how procedures and processes were done Mm -hmm. in radio and why these things were going. They were just on the air or maybe just mixing or whatever. I came here and schooled them. I made something called Radio 101 and I taught them. Wow. And you won't let me program this. You won't give me the official stripes so I could have that on my thing. I'm nominated for music director of the year for the nation. Wow. Are you serious? So I was, ooh, I was so hurt. And when they gave that guy that, I cried, cried, cried. My DJs were consoling me. I love them to this day. My, my, they were my boys. But um, yeah, so they gave me a job in Richmond, Virginia mm-hmm. as, you know, makeup or whatever. Smaller market. But I officially got my program director stripes. Okay. So, but when I came to New York, I wasn't experienced enough to program a radio station in New York and they weren't about to do that. So they gave me music coordinator and they made um, this other guy, Colby, music director. So I came up and I was doing that. This in New York was my first time really afraid because... It's New York. New York is a different beast. And I'm a little girl from the South. You know, I'm a little dirty South girl. <laughs> I didn't have a twang, but I talked really fast, really mm-hmm. hype. Hi, guys. And everybody's like, who is this chick? Because New York has an aloofness about it. Mm-hmm. And like when you're eager and like just yes. bubbly, people are like, what's your deal? Yes. So I got here in March. We went on the air in April. I cried every day in month and May saying, God, did I make the right decision giving up my job? Did I make the right decision? Because... Doc hired me, not the program director. Right. So the program director is looking at me like, this is not my my choice. None of these people are my choice. I I, I don't, because I wasn't his style. Mm -hmm. He wanted this. And hi, it's New York and we're Power 1051. And I'm like this, Power 1051, let's go. You know, that kind of thing. So, and he, we butt heads a lot. Um, My numbers were good. Mm -hmm. Ratings wise, they go up and down. Okay. You might have an off moment or whatever, whatever. And I just was like, did I make the right decision in giving up my position coming here to be a freaking music coordinator? I ended up resigning as the 
music coordinator because he and I just, it just was just, it wasn't, it was discord there. So was it like you were getting negative feedback on a consistent basis? I was basis? getting negative feedback. He would, I would say stuff on the air. He'd hotline me as soon as I turned off the microphone button. Well, I didn't like the way you said such and such. Oh, Lord. Hey, girl, can you wait till I finish this show? <laughs> you you killing my vibe. Trip don't kill my vibe. What was Kendrick when I needed that song? Okay. <laughs> it was probably somewhere in middle school. Anyway. I was about to say, was he born? <laughs> I think, no, he was born. That was in the 2000s. My bad. My bad. <laughs> was he born? <laughs> Listen, that was just 2004. Yes, it was in the 2000s. <laughs> I'm not talking to you. Um, but yeah, so I was like, did I make the right decision? Dating-wise, it was sucking. It was uh, horrible. And I'm like, God, did I hear your voice? Because, you know, me and God, I got real close in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. I had gone on my whole, I started my whole, um, what is it? Abstin abstinence. abstinence. Yes, my friend challenged me on the air for six months. And I'm like, yeah, I can do that. Someone challenged you on the air? Yeah, one of my DJs. <laughs> I bet you could go six months because I was importing and exporting, baby. What? <laughs> I different like, area codes. Look, you you had it popping. I'm about to be about business. He's like, Tej, I was pimping in these streets. But anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? <sighs> but then I got real close with Jesus and we mm -hmm. had to stop all that. And God was like, look, mm -mm, chill. So then I, when I came here, I'm like, Lord, did I hear your voice? Did I, did I hear it? Or was I just going on my ego? Because it was really challenging. Mm -hmm. Remember, all up until then, everybody loved deja vu. Right. I had never gotten any... You know all that, but you were it. People were bidding or fighting right? over That's you. That's what I'm saying. And I had never gotten it like. And then one of my friends was saying that this other program director, she hates your voice. What? I know I'm an acquired taste, but still, you hate it, really. And so this started making me, made me question me and mm -hmm. my skills and all that stuff. Um, and I just was not happy for a while and it began to take over. So by 2007, I had gotten a new boss with several new bosses because they were just changing over the programmers. And we did have a female programmer, shouts out to Helen Little, um, who was over Power 105.1 mm -hmm. at one point. But Helen and I working together, I don't know how well that was either. <laughs> Sometimes it can be even worse with two right, women. But she was one of the ones that when I was in Birmingham, I just looked up to her because there were not a lot of black female programmers Right. who were just killing the game and she was killing it. I would kind of like semi-stalk her at the radio conventions and be like, oh, look at Helen Little. And then working with her, it was just like, oh. But now that we're not working together, I love me some <laughs> Helen. <laughs> Helen right now is killing the game on Light FM. Really? One of the only black women full-time over there, yeah. Light FM, I would not have guessed. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, um, I got fired in... 2010. So I had another boss from 2007 and whatever. He loved me, put me on. I'm on all these stations. Doc is still. Mm -hmm. And I got rumors that I was going to be getting let go. So I text Doc. Doc didn't respond. Hello, Doc. Hello. Bad Hello. sign. Bad sign. And it was the day before. I had just bought a new Blackberry, whatever was going on at the time. I was standing outside of the Verizon on 42nd Street and he did not respond when I sent that text. Normally he would hit me back right away. I said, it's true. It is true. Came into work. They had already, they were letting go of Ed Lover and that whole team during that time. Wow. And they, I had already been on the mic. So I'm like, okay, I'm on the mic. I put a new picture up last week. They didn't take it down. I'm on the mic now starting my shift. Do you know these fools came and got me in the middle of my shift? No, they didn't. Why didn't you not just, why did you not just stop me before I went into the studio? Deja, just sit out here. Or Deja, we got to talk to you. Are you kidding me? So you're mid-shift. Mid-shift. And they're coming in the, with, the, um, we call them the, um, what's the, the, the screen person who has the, the agent of death, whatever they're called. I forgot what, what the terminology mm -hmm. is, but we call them that, the HR people. <laughs> and you know, the HR person, when they come back in the bag, you're like, oh Jesus, somebody about to get like, oh. right. You know, it's about to go yes. down. Right. The grave, Grim Reaper. Grim, Grim Reaper. Reaper yes. Grim Reaper. So anyway, they came and got me and the program director at that time who was cool with me at first. And then I guess, I don't know, whatever the heck. I'm not putting all the business out. But anyway, so he slides this little thing over. Thank you for your years. Fool, I didn't put in how many years? Wait, I'm sorry. Thank, Thank you, you for, for your years. years. And that's it. And how long had you been there at that I point? I have been there a long time. I can't be dating myself, Delisha. I already told you. 2000. Listen, we, we, we keep it real and candid on this show. We get into people's business. I'm not putting all <laughs> of my business. I'm only 29 and holding. Okay, I'm 30. Top. Um, but no, <laughs> but no, seriously, I've been there for a long time. And it was a thank and you for your years. I had just put down $5,000 on this wedding dress the week before. Say what? I had just run 26 miles for this company. I was doing, um, I did the marathon as the representative for the station. I just ran 26 miles for y'all. And you're going to fire me? Are you freaking kidding me? Are you kidding me? Okay. So yes. you were, you were not just existing. You were thriving at that point. Yes. Preparing to get married. And 
let's keep it all the way real, right? Getting let go in like a Richmond is a very different scenario financially than getting let go in New York. Are you kidding me? Girl. New York is like, you can't piece it together. Right. Don't y'all understand? I, I'm driving this BMW 650. What are you doing? <laughs> BMW wants their money. They every want it. Month. They're coming for it. Okay. So how did you navigate that? Um, through a lot of prayer, but I was very fortunate. And that's why I say God has a plan for my life. It didn't go the way that I thought it would. And that's why I try and tell everyone it may not look the way you thought it would look. Mm -hmm. In my little high school journal and stuff, I said, I want to be a broadcaster or such and such. Okay, I was a broadcaster. I did this and that. That journey to get to broadcasting where I was may not look like you thought it would look. So I got let go. They gave me a great severance because mm -hmm. I've been there forever. And as well, they should have. Take care of me. Absolutely. But this is the thing. It was so sudden. I was on all these other stations. The other stations were calling me, Deja, we don't have your voice breaks for the day. Guys, I just got fired. So all wait, these stations were hitting me. People hadn't been notified? No. I'm so lost. No, because it was New York and I was on in other cities mm -hmm. in Boston and Jacksonville and Richmond or whatever. So they let me go. Um, I cried all the way home. And get this, I had taken my car to the shop that day before. So I didn't have a ride home. Try, I'm, tears just coming down. I'm trying to call my, my fiance like, oh, my God, trying to get a taxi in the middle. Of, imagine this in Manhattan. I'm just boohoo and crying and lifting my hand trying to get a taxi. But here's the thing. In, in Manhattan, people won't say, are you OK? They didn't care. <laughs> Nobody cared that I was having a meltdown. It's New York. Nobody gives a flip-flop. They do not care. They don't. So I took that. But, and this is another thing, guys. Always be kind to those who just, you never know where people are going to go. So that somebody might be cleaning the streets. I mean, cleaning the uh, floor. Somebody might be interning. Somebody might be doing something. Be kind to them. I had a young lady who was interning and she interviewed me for her project, one of her projects, mm -hmm. Barbara De La Lue. Hey, Barb. Roxy Digital now on social media. You can see her there. Um, she interviewed me and she just loved me. And she said, I'm going to tell Skip Dillard about you. Skip is the program director at WBLS. So November 19th, I got fired right before Thanksgiving too. Y'all know I got about Right before the hot, they right. botched this on every level. Right. November 19th, I got let go. She says, I'm going to talk to Skip. I didn't talk to Skip till maybe after the holidays. Maybe, mm -hmm. no, December 5th, somewhere around there, I talked to Skip. Skip's like, yeah, we'll get you on, blah, blah, blah. I heard that you, that you, that you weren't there, yada, yada, yada. But um, I had gone in, talked to them, learned the boards and the ropes over there. I was back on the air, like, in January. So February. were you stressed during the holidays, or were you just like, I'm chilling, I'll figure it out? beginning um, of next year. No, I wasn't stressed because I had my severance mm -hmm. and I still had serious. Okay. And I knew Skip was going to hire me. Now, Skip did not hire me in a full-time capacity. So those bills still were looking crazy. Mm -hmm. Now, that's when, when that stuff started happening. I worked part-time at BLS for a little bit because they didn't have any full-time stuff at that time. So, yeah, during that time when that severance was like looking thin, I'm like, Jesus, what we you just see do? the balance going farther right, and farther right. down. But I said to myself, this is when I yielded to whatever God had for me. I said, God, I know you got my back. And if I have to sell this house, I'll have to sell this house if I have to, because I'm not afraid of work. I'm mm -hmm. not afraid of any of that stuff. I know that God's got me. Right. So I said, if I have to go and sell this house and get back in an apartment and just let go of my Beamer and just keep my Xterra, whatever. I'll, I'll do that. As soon as I yielded, Skip's like, hey, we might have a situation where you can come in and do some full-time blah, blah, blah. Isn't that crazy? That's I'm nuts. looking out the window. I'm looking out the window. Like, you know how you have those, those moments in the movies where it's a solemn moment. You have the music playing in the background and she's going through. <laughs> that was me. I have my hand on the window. Snow's falling. Jesus, I don't know what's going to happen. But, and then God turned it around. He turned it. What? Y'all ain't Shout ready. out to Ty Tribbett. Right? <laughs> Listen, y'all don't know. Like, I'm telling you, and I talk about God and whatever your belief form is for me is Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. I just cannot not say anything about that. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because they had stuff going and opportunity that wasn't there. They created it. Right. You know what I mean? And so I was able to get on. Quake and I did a show, Earthquake, mm -hmm. the comedian. Shouts out to Quakey Quake. You can hear him on Kevin Hart's Laugh Out Loud on Sirius XM doing the Quake's House show. Um, and we did that. Now, here's another lesson in that. Mm -hmm. Quake being the celebrity got all the money. Right. And you're I'm like the side Quake act. Again, uh, another man. Here's a woman teaching a man, and he'll tell you. Deja Vu taught me everything about the radio stuff, you know, from that perspective. 
why am I not getting equal pay? And here's the thing. Quake was known in the comedy world. Thank you. You had the radio experience. Thank you. So that doesn't add up to me. But Can you go tell them that? <laughs> can you can you go back and get my... Um, I want reparations. You want reparations? Let me see if I can get some back pay for that. Right? But... Again, God has everything in control. So that worked for a few years, a couple years or whatever. And then the next thing I know, radio shifts. Here, guys, let me tell you, radio will shift in a minute. They don't tell you any rhyme or reason. Your ratings could be decent. Mm -hmm. They can just want to go. When they give you that phrase, we just decided to go in a different, different direction. direction. I hate that. <laughs> Are what you does that me? even mean? I didn't even know Quake wasn't going to be there. Quake texted me, well, it was great working with you. What? I'm on my way. I'm driving in. I'm on the West Side Highway. What are you talking about? I got a whole outline for us to do some new stuff. So your whole situation has been offended either at work or on your way to work more than once. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and you'll find that several radio personalities have had that happen mm -hmm. to them driving in. Uh, don't come in. What? So anyway, yeah, I didn't know Quake wasn't going to be there. They did whatever, switched switch some things around. And I'm like, okay, so am I going to still be here? Because I got me an agent now at this time. I have an agent. Oh, you serious? You had repre uh, representation. Had this representation. Okay, I'm on a new level. I'm on a new level. <laughs> Y'all ain't ready. Shouts out to ASAP Ferg. Look, I go from gospel to hip hop, country, rock. Y'all ain't ready. Everybody on this show code switches <laughs> and like goes from Jesus to trap music. It That's happens. That's what we do. That's what it we just do. happens, right? So, but anyway, um, yeah, we, I get there. Quake's not there. Are y'all going to let me go? What are y'all going to do? Are y'all put another person in here. Of course, they're looking at another man. Why can't I hold this down? I've, I've started stations. I have gone to stations. I've hired people. I've fired people. Why do you keep trying to pair me with someone? Right. You're I a am, vet in this. I am a tried and true talent. I programmed radio stations. I know the deal. So anyway, they were like, well, we'll see. And then they decided, yeah, we're going to keep you there. So, okay. But you can only be grateful for that next. You're only as good as that last book. <laughs> the ratings book. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's just like with these artists. You're only as good as that last hit song. Okay. We don't know you anymore after that hit record. But yeah, so it's been a journey since then. And I've been holding it down. But it has been up and down with ratings. Mm -hmm. I can't force people to listen. This is what's going to happen. I can be here and get a bonus. And then the next month, I'm doing the same freaking thing. Right. And then I'm in the tank with the ratings. So I can't, you know, make that happen. But what I can do is control what I'm doing with this platform. Absolutely. So I'm about to pimp the heck out of this game. So there, the Hustle Her movement was born. Like, I got caught slipping when I was at Power and they let me go. I ain't getting caught slipping on nobody's deal right. anymore. So we're making this thing. We're trying to build this business up to scale with my Hustle Her stuff. I'm talking to my lawyers, trying to get stuff legally done so I can keep extending and growing and maximizing the audience that I have. All right. So let me start teaching some women. Let me put some planners together. Let's do some panels. Let's do some um, web classes, which I'm in the process of trying to launch now. My sister does HR and training. She's like, when we put a training together, come on, let's put a training together. Absolutely. Right? Let's make it happen. Keep it in the family. Right. But I said to myself, after all those tumultuous things happen, I have to be in control. And so I'm doing my thing, uh, loving technology, learning, doing the social media lives, all this stuff. Little do I know people are watching me. Mm -hmm. People are watching me. So I get a call from my agent who says, hey, Steve from ABC loves you. I'm like, OK, he watches you on social media. OK, I'll shout him out. Hey, Steve, how you doing? I'm just thinking Steve is a regular employee, whatever. Hey, Steve, what's going on? I see you, la, la, la. And I keep on doing my thing, whatever. So he's like, no, Steve at ABC. I said, I saw Steve at ABC. How you doing, Steve? Shouted you out. Steve is the vice president or president of ABC Radio. Steve's a boss. <laughs> Steve's a boss. Rick Ross style. Boss. Steve, unbeknownst to me, had been checking me out and doing whatever and had his people building up a file of me for a whole year. A year? What I'm doing. They were putting a dossier together? Baby. On you for 12 months? 12 months. Sales lady was like, yeah, you know, if I can go back and pull up all these Excel spreadsheets on you. What? So lo and behold, my agent says that ABC wants to meet with me. So we meet. Hey, we want to do some kind of stuff. We're getting into the urban radio thing. We think you'd be great to do this. What? What are you talking about? We'd like to syndicate you and put you all across the country. What? In the name of Jesus, that Honey, we talking about that syndication situation for people who just don't understand how this business right. works. That is huge. Mm -hmm. So I'm just this is where I am right now, guys. I brought you all the way from Jacksonville to Alabama to Richmond. I, did I leave out St. Louis? St. Louis, all that to bring you all the way here. And we just announced the Deja Vu radio show through ABC Networks last week, and 
it is an amazing trip already. They sent me flowers. Thank you. They my new boyfriend. Hey, ABC. How you doing? This is exciting. <laughs> and, and look at this. But I wasn't. This is what I'm saying. When you're doing your job and handling your business, mm -hmm. people will watch and pay attention to you. Stay out of everybody else's lane, worrying about them, doing what they're doing. And it's challenging sometimes. But you do your stuff. People will take notice. I didn't come to them. They came to me with this offer. They came to me. Shout out I to Hustle be, Man on Martin. Right. <laughs> I wasn't even pursuing this. So now I have this extra opportunity. And with syndication, it's great because I'm trying to get my Steve Harvey, Ryan Seacrest on. And you know, right. I can't reference any woman because there isn't. I was just about to say that. We know syndication women. from people listening to Steve right. all across the country right. or Ryan. Or Tom. Right. Tom but we're the ladies. Mm -hmm. I do know, shouts out to my girl, Dee Dee McGuire in Dallas. She does a morning show and she just got syndicated through another service um, company. And she's amazing. So shouts out to her. But we don't hear about women doing right. this. And to Dana Cortez too, Dana's going to be with ABC. She's doing a morning show through ABC, just like I'm doing. They're pitching my show for middays afternoons. Okay. So um, they got the ladies up in here, finally. But all that to say, it ain't over yet. It's not right. Time. We still ain't resting because syndication is one thing. It's just like when you get a record deal. Oh, you're rich now. You got a record deal. Baby, I sold no records yet. And you know everything that they front you, you got to pay back. You got to right? deliver. Right. So now I have to deliver, show and prove, which again gives me the butterflies mm -hmm. because it's like, I haven't been nervous in radio since I got to New York. Right. Because I'm now I'm accomplished with it. And I'm like, oh, my God, wait a minute. I'm doing this. Although I've been on the markets in other, you know, other states and other stations. This is a new thing because it's new for them and it's new for me. And I'm like, ooh, we can't mess this up because mm -hmm. I don't want to mess up for the next person. Plus, I got to get my $350 million net worth like Ryan Seacrest. I'm just saying. <laughs> you want to be out here on these jets right? like uh, Steve and right? doing all kinds of Did things. Did you see Steve? I, I screenshot a picture of Steve and his wife Marjorie on a yacht in Dubai or wherever the heck they were, the sunsets coming down behind them. I said, you know what? I told Hubby Lush, I said, this is, this is going to be us. And Steve, like, didn't get his break until he was 38. Right. That was just so crazy to me. His story is so tremendous. But if you look at it, he's kind of given, he's left, what do they say? Success leaves clues. Mm -hmm. He's left clues. So I'm going to see how I can follow these clues, see how I can pimp this game. Because he's out here getting $250,000 per episode for Celebrity Family Feud. Okay. And He's Steve has like 18 jobs. He has 18. <laughs> and you, you know what? I want to get those jobs too. Mm -hmm. I need to be on television as well. He's made that segue so well. I need to get to that. And I'm excited about where God is taking me with that. Not just with my secular stuff, but even with um, ministry. Mm -hmm. So I do um, a Facebook Live with Miss Niecy Trivet, Ty's mom. Yes. For WLIB, our gospel station. Now that's starting to get noticed. I'm like... Jesus, what is you, You're hitting it from all angles. Right? And so I just think that's why I just have this excitement for life right now. Although I've had ups and downs and I said, I still don't even know what BLS will do. I don't know. Right. My contract's up in 2019. They could decide to go in, quote, another direction. But guess what? I'm going to be all right. Right. Like, I, I, I've seen it too many times. God has had his hand on my life. So I'm like, you know, I don't know how it's going to happen. Maybe a few tears, but guess what? We're going to get up, dust ourselves off, and we stay winning. Now, let me ask you this, because this is like major news, not just because how many people get syndicated, but as you said, you're a woman, you're a black woman, mm -hmm. which is even greater. But do you find that when things like this happen, because the industry is so small and it's so competitive, that people are excited for you, or are they feeling away because Girl, the opportunity came you know. to you? Congratulations. <laughs> they get the little salt face. <laughs> I, said, I call I it the tight face. You could tell. Mm -hmm. You could tell. And I just keep on pressing on. I keep on, I keep on moving. I'm like, okay, right, you be blessed, boo. I ain't got time for that. Because this deal has been in the works for 10 months. So this is a 10-month secret that I told them. So you've been sitting on it. Sitting on it. And y'all sitting over here talking and saying all this stuff, and I'm just smiling. Oh, but you're rating so-and-so and so, yeah. I didn't even say nothing. I didn't say nothing. Lenny Green, shouts out to Lenny Green. Lenny and I were on our way back from doing something, a TV spot on ABC TV. Mm-hmm. Last week when the news broke and he's like, I'm sitting in a car next to you. You ain't even say nothing to me. I said, son, I don't spill. I don't. Bad girls move in silence. I Let mean, really for itself. But you will have the haters. I can't. I'm sorry. But I, you know what? On the humanistic side of things, I've had to unfollow some people because I saw them blowing up and I started feeling some kind of way. It messes and with your ego. It messes with your ego because we're human. Right. And so that's why I can't get mad because, again, I've matured a little and I can see people who are hating, but they're also kind of like, dang, what is my time going to happen? Because I felt that same way too. Absolutely. So you got the true haters and then you have the ones who are like, well, dang, I'm grinding too. And you, you kind of relate to that. So I don't try and flaunt it. Mm -hmm. 
I'm excited. I'm not going to not celebrate. Girl, I'm in my heels. This is something up. that is meant to be celebrated. It's, you have to celebrate this. Yeah, Deja's in here looking fly. I just want to want to put that but out there. I'm not getting super like arrogant with it mm -hmm. because who knows what happens. But again, this is a milestone. And for the haters out there, you keep on hating. I'm going to keep on praying for you. But everything happens in due season. Shoot, I look at Diddy. Why is Diddy doing all this stuff? I want to be Diddy. I want to... Oprah. You know, I want... Can I be Oprah style? Right. People are getting TV deals. I want TV deals. I want this. Like I said, just because I got the syndication does not mean that um, the banks are rolling, uh, sending all kinds of, you know, money for me. Mm -hmm. However, ABC was like, yo, let's get you paid. Thank you. Thanks for calling me on a Saturday no, to get my money. No coin left behind. <laughs> no That's what we say on the show. No it. coin left behind. Come on. You got to get your money. Hashtag no coin left behind. <laughs> I'm about, to, I'm about to use that. Come on, Delisha. But no, people, again, have the misconception that you're automatically this. Some dude's like, some dude told me this. I've been checking your checks. I've been watching your checks. First off, Negro, why are you all why in my bank account? Why is he in your pocket? Why are you in my account? But it just let me know that people are watching. Mm -hmm. But I want to be able to leave clues, too. I want to be able to do it for the next person because I know I'm not going to be here forever. Right. So I want that next sister to come on up and be like, I saw Deja Vu do so-and-so. I was inspired. Now I'm taking it to the next level. So when I'm old and decrepit, don't forget about me, young lady, because I, I left clues. You left clues. And make sure you give her her flowers while she's <laughs> exactly. here. We always talk about how people helped us and inspired mm -hmm. us after mm -hmm. they're gone. Mm -hmm. We got to start putting those messages out there now. Yes. But um, that's that's kind of where I am, girlfriend. You have a lot going on. I do. And what I've appreciated about you, we've known each other. I guess we met in like 2015. Mm -hmm. So Deja and I met because we both were speaking uh for an event for a Yandy, Yandy Smith. Channel. Yeah. And, you know, Deja's doing her thing. I'm just like this lawyer out here who Girl, who, who got invited. Please. And Deja came up to me after and was like, you got to sit on my panel for Circle of Sisters. And people say these things and you're like, oh, okay. And I approach everything with measured enthusiasm because, you know, we're in an area where everyone's always like, we got to get up. We got to mm -hmm. do something. But Deja came through and she put me on this panel with all these amazing women. And I am sitting there like, I don't even know how I got up here. Girl, you are amazing. Do you understand? You talk that lawyer talk. I don't know how to talk lawyer talk. I know how to talk. And this is the number one song. <laughs> no, but I, I love to hear from people. I was talking to another uh, lawyer the other day. I just love to hear when you guys speak. You're so intelligent. You know, you have such a wealth of knowledge of, in a whole other world than I'm in. You know, like, again, my mind is filled with senseless facts. Like Drake was messing with someone, someone, someone. Why do I know this? But we need that levity. We say that on the show a lot. We need the levity to balance out all the serious contractual yeah. stuff and how to get your business straight and how to trademark. Right, it's great to just, it's great to just know the pop culture part. But I brought that up to say, you are not afraid to put people on. And I feel like you walk in the law of universal abundance, which means that there's enough for all of us. Yes. And if you can create a lane for somebody else, you're going to do that. So I'm saying it on air that I am appreciative that oh, you gave me another platform, which helped me take my speaking to the next level. I made other connections through that and I'm building on my own blocks and you were instrumental in that. So thank, thank you. you. She got a podcast going on. See, we doing it. We Come out here. On, I'm trying to get my own media personality <laughs> thing going. Yes. So before we talk about your brand with Hustle Her and also let you get out of here because we know you have a job to get to, mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about personal life. Okay. So we know you have Hubby Lish. Hubby Lish. I've, I've heard you mention him often on the air. Yes. And I now know that you had some crazy days experiences before. Jesus. So if if people are familiar with the entertainment business and the media business at all, they know that even if only one party, one half of the couple is a personality, it can be very difficult to have a strong marriage for a number of reasons. How have you been able to sustain a healthy relationship while growing your career and being in the public eye in a sense? Um, Hubbylish was also in the industry, mm -hmm. so he knows it. So he knows that I got to be around guys. I have to go to parties. He's supportive of that. He worked at a label. So he gets all of that. Truth be told, he was an artist way back in the day. We'll talk about that. But way anyway, back in the day? Way back in the day. Let me find out. Uh, I was like, what? Wait a minute. So, um, <laughs> but he gets all of the business stuff. And I lucked up in finding someone who is chill. Mm -hmm. Hubby Lish goes home. He watches ESPN. He's chilling. Hubby, I got to do something. So I, cool. I'm I'm at the house. So he's there. So he doesn't get all insecure. I had a boyfriend, the psycho dude. I was doing a, an interview with a comedian. Oh, you were flirting with him. 
what? Really? Are you crazy? You're doing your job. Yes. And then back when I was not making so many good choices, still with the psycho dude um, in my relationships, because I was just my self-esteem, I guess. I didn't think that I had self-esteem issues, but looking back, I was like, girl, you should have known your worth. But having to call 911 on the air. Okay. I'm on the air. There's no, a no, you didn't. No, you I didn't. 911. You were not on the air calling the authorities. Girl, I, listen, listen. It was bananas. I had some serious situations that in this hashtag Me Too movement probably would have just killed people's careers. But anyway, um, yeah, it's just, it's been okay to be able to balance. Mm -hmm. I have found, though, a lot of my friends who are, who came up um, as my peers in the industry, they're now just now settling down within the last five years. Okay. We have not been married. I've only been married. It'll be seven years in October because we had to move. Mm -hmm. We had to do what we had to do. Some, every now and then somebody may have had a baby or may have gotten married, but a lot of times it didn't last because people didn't understand it. And right now, I don't, I was, I'm always very upfront. After I went through a couple of relationships, I just changed my mindset mm -hmm. about dating. Even with my husband, I met him on a blind date. We were friends for three years before we even became serious. Really? I would call him like a couple of times. Hey, let's go out to eat. Let's go Dutch, whatever. You know, he was my opposite sex friend. So you weren't thinking during that three year period, maybe. No, I was not. My mom was like, you better get that man. <laughs> Here come Debbie, Dr. Debbie. I always try to. They always see I'm it before you do. I'm afraid to get a real girlfriend because you're playing games. I said, don't be trying to still send him away and get Jesus out of this. Wait, she was trying to pray for his his good thing, right, his wife. his good thing. <laughs> so then he go clap back, tell your mama I'm marrying her daughter. I said, I'm not marrying you. That's like, we're just friends. What are you talking about? Lo and behold, seven years. Oh <laughs> my God. With this ring, though, I was about to say, I see the light. Black. The light is bouncing <laughs> off that thing, okay? <laughs> Our producer, Demarcus, says she has the rock of Gibraltar in her finger. No, this ring is serious. Let me just tell y'all, no, scroll through her Instagram and see if you can find it on a photo and zoom in because I peeped it the minute I walked in the door. Like, oh, okay. I didn't. I don't remember seeing it the last time. I must have missed it. But this ring... Yeah, well, he made me wait forever because, look, I think he was mad because I made him wait all those years. <laughs> so as soon as I got serious with him, he flipped the script and he was like, I mean, go chill. But I just but said, isn't that what they a, all do? Right. I said, I'm ready to be a girlfriend. Oh, now you just going to tell me you ready? I said, isn't that what you told me to do? Let you know. I don't know about nothing like that. Like, whatever, dude. They always good, do that. He's a good guy. Um, and he understands the industry. I think because he's been a part of it, that has alleviated a lot of drama. And, and jealousy and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So he can come to the event and let me be the star. He doesn't He doesn't clamor for the attention. He doesn't like all that. He likes to play the background, but he likes to, you know, make his moves and stuff. So, so do you feel like I'm balancing this well or are there days where you're like, ah, the wife piece failed on that a little bit today? Listen, again, I'm 100 when I come into a situation. Mm -hmm. I don't cook. I'm At not all? doing this. Occasionally, when I first got married, I was trying to cook. We had the great uh, pumpkin pancake meltdown of 2014 when I cried because the pumpkin pancakes wouldn't flip over and I'm in the kitchen just, just trying to figure it out. He had to come in there and try to flip the pancakes. <laughs> Girl, oh, Lord. I was like, no. But I was trying to do all these exotic meals. He's mm -hmm. like, I just want something basic. So I have three basic meals. Spaghetti. I have salmon and spinach. I have, um, oh, I do a turkey meatloaf. Okay. And I think there's another one in there that I'm forgetting, but Oh, and chicken and rice, chicken and yellow rice, big chicken, olives, a little bit of this, a little bit of that in there. Those are my standards. So you have your specialties for Those you. Are my standards. And that is it. That's it. We eat out most of the time. Then that has become a source of contention. Mm -hmm. oh, I'm tired. Of, I want something to taste like home. Sir, <laughs> back when you proposed to me, I told you I was not going to cook. You told me I can eat for myself. And I said, that's, that's what we're going to do. Is. Don't flip the switch seven years in, sir. But, you know, and then sometimes I feel like I'm out because like this week, next week, he's not going to see me. Mm-hmm. Because Circle of Sisters is bananas. I take that back Friday. He did take off. I was like, Hubbylish, I need you this year to help me unload these boxes, help me do whatever. So he'll do that stuff for me. He'll play bodyguard and, you know, um, take care of me and all that stuff. But on the wife part, yeah. And we have a cleaner now because the, ho the house is a mess, such and such and such. Let me get somebody to come in and here clean. Why can't you do it? Because that's not what I'm doing. That's, that's not I'm your anointing. Empires. <laughs> I don't have time. I'm serious. And I had to rationalize it like, sir, listen, this is not what we're doing in this house. Right. I come home at seven o'clock. You get off at five o'clock. No, I get off at seven. By the time I get by home, it's quarter to eight. I still have stuff I got to do. I have a conference call. I might have a broadcast I got to do online. I might have to work on my projects because I am trying to make 
make money because I want to live a certain lifestyle. Absolutely. You, sir, do your thing. And he's content with that because he's not he's not that with mm-hmm. what I am. You want to sit here and watch ESPN and chill. That's fine. I don't have time. Laundry, I'm barely getting it done. Right. Cleaning up this and wiping this. Let me get somebody. Let's stop eating a couple of meals and I will sacrifice this money and budget it. We don't have to live. And I, that's another thing, too. As we continue to grow financially, we have to grow in our mindsets. For sure. I'm not going to live in a lack mindset. If God has blessed me to have a certain amount of money, then I'm going to use those things for some conveniences so that I can benefit us as a team a little bit later. I'm trying to brainstorm on this and contact this person. I'm thinking of ways how I can pitch proposals. I got time to be washing these dishes. Exactly. I mean, and you know how to do the basics. I mean, I'm not going to leave it crazy, but having somebody to come and, you know, clean around my clutter, because I'm clutter. I'm, I am. Uh, uh, what is it? What is it when you clean like? stuff. Order. I'm a order. I know this. <laughs> Trying to do all that. You stuff. have mementos from like 1992. I do. <laughs> um, I have memos that were from old companies. Why? I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to release them. It's a process. But I told him, so we just got a cleaner last month for the first time. And it's been so amazing. You just got a cleaner last month. I've been trying to convince him. Even my sister-in-law was like, man, go ahead and do it. My mom was like, Dish, go ahead and do it. The whole marriage. I've been telling him, I want to get this. I finally just put my foot down. and was like, I hired a cleaner. And she came in and towed that place up. I was like, yes, sister, come on back. Because, I mean, really, we talk about on this show opportunity costs. So like and it's not necessarily a one to one return. Like you spend money on a cleaner Mm -hmm. today and you're going to see that money today. But what am I giving up by cleaning my own home? Right. And if I put my time over here, will that return on my investment and a cleaner create dividends later? Exactly. And if the answer is yes, you better get somebody in there. And it's a woman owned company. So I'm helping another sister get her money up. I don't see anything wrong with that. I'm supporting this sister's business on a monthly um, basis, bi-weekly basis, and she can get her money and I can get my peace of mind. And you, sir, can have a clean house. (laughs) And we're all happy. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, so shifting gears, tell us about Hustle Her. What endeavors are you working on there? Okay, with Hustle Her, I'm still finding its footing Mm -hmm. because I keep shifting with it. So initially it was just the slang thing. And um, I just wanted to say, hey, we're hustling, we're moving. Because remember when I got fired, I didn't have any other irons in the fire as far as money, uh, monetary stuff coming in. So now I am producing, that's the stuff that I have to work on while Hubby Lish is watching ESPN and Cowboys. (laughs) Go Cowboys. Although we are Boy County. But anyway, um, yeah, so I have to work on those things. Hustle her. Leader, dreamer, doer. I just added that part last year because I'm trying to fine tune what it is, where it is. So we are leaders, we are dreamers, we're doers. So I want to do a set of workshops. I want to have, like I was saying, my class Mm -hmm. for that at uh, the Hustle Her panel this year at Circle of Sisters, September 29th. When is this airing? This will air before then. Okay, yes. cool. Um, September 29th at Circle of Sisters, I'm doing Ignite Your Hustle. Goals, action plans, and results. Because we got to start really doing it. So we talk a good game. Absolutely. But there's so many women who have so many skill sets that they have not put a dollar value to. They're right. giving away, oh, I'll bake your cake. Oh, come here, baby. Let me do your hair. Girl, if you don't put a dollar on that and charge tax... Absolutely. Make and sure you get that tax in there right? for sure. Because the government <laughs> on, is lawyer. coming. On, the lawyer. government is coming for their cut and you better pass on that expense where you can. That was my small lawyer commercial. But go Come ahead. <laughs> but no, I, there's so many. And I, especially in the demographic that we reach with WBLS, we're 2554. That's who we target, right? My millennials, they, they kind of have their hustle right. swing going, right? But a lot of my women who are a little older than that, we're 25, 54. We focus in on a 40 year old woman. Okay. Our 40 year old woman is on Facebook and social, putting up pictures a little bit. She'll do a little something, you know, she'll do her man crush Monday. <laughs> but sis, are you making money? Are you taking those ads? Are you taking the talent and skill set that you have, whether you are an HR, whether you're an accountant, whether you're a stay at home mom, there's a skill set, there's a talent, there's an ability that you have and that you excel at. How can we master that and make something from that? So that's what the Hustle Her movement is about. It's about building your own with ownership. So I want our women to tap into those abilities and take their stuff to the next level. So we'll need you to finalize these businesses and all that stuff. Oh yeah, we're going to make it happen. Don't worry. But I just think a lot of women aren't thinking in those terms. I'm just on social media. Okay, I don't go on that stuff. It's just too much. Baby, you're 40 years old. You are not decrepit. Have you seen Angela Bassett at 60? Have you seen Holly Berry at 50? Angela's goals right now. Okay. (laughs) I'd be scared to show these pictures to my aunties because I don't want them to get offended. But I'm like, this is going to be me. This is going to be me. I'm like, my sister said, 
Well, what is she not eating? Is she not eating brownies? Because I don't know if I'm ready to sacrifice. <laughs> uh, she has to be low on the carbs and stuff. Whatever but she has she's to be. Doing, it's working and she is amazing with it. And so the, all that to say that people are not sitting out and falling off out of society at advanced ages. Right. There is a space for us in this technological age and you don't have to necessarily leave your house. You really don't. You can make money at the house, on the internet, on your phone, swiping, checking. But we have to think of those ideas. And I don't think a lot of our women are willing to embrace it because they think that's not for them. Right. With the Hustle Her movement, I want to change your mind. I want to change your mind and I want you to get this money because it's not a game. And let me just say this. I'm going to say this on Deja's behalf. To get the money and learn the skills, sometimes you have to invest money. Come on Say it again. So, because that's the other issue, right? We want the education, but we don't want to put our resources behind it. If you if you believe that you have something and you have a brand, put some money in somebody else's pocket to go to their event or buy their book or receive their coaching. Because if they've got the goods and they're passing them on to you, it's going to pay dividends as well. Because a lot of people hear this and be like, yes, Deja, how do I sign up? And then the minute there's a ticket price or you're charging for your coaching, then it's like, oh, I don't know about that. But we spend money on all types of things. Somebody told me that they spent $1,000 on a wig. Oh, yeah. I'm sure of it. I said, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Is that how much stuff is costing right now? These weaves and wigs? Yeah. $30? You want them to spend $300 to go to a weekend workshop. Mm-hmm. And it's so important. That's another thing I have to drive home. Thank you for bringing that back up. Because they don't. They don't see the value in it. But if you can make something happen for yourself. When I was on my um, little period of offness with the job and everything, I invested. I took some of my separate money and took $3,000 to take an internet course. I still use that lady's stuff. Wow. She was so powerful. Even though technology has changed, the basic principles of what she was teaching me with that coaching and that class has not changed. I still have her recordings because she allowed us to be able to have it mm-hmm. um, download. And I listen to it sometimes when on the treadmill just to refresh some of the things. And again, like I said, some of the principles with technology, like if she's talking about an algorithm, I know that's different. But some of the other stuff, is, is, is it's still good. Right. And you get that over and over and over because I invested that and that knowledge. I invested in my life coaching courses and becoming a coach and everything. I invested in that because I wanted to be able to reap the rewards from it. But like you said, you have to see the value. You have to. And it it may mean you got to sacrifice on the vacations Mm -hmm. or the Louis Vuitton bag Mm -hmm. and all the things that we love, the lashes and all that great Mm -hmm. stuff to invest over here. But I'm a huge proponent of that. So I just wanted to make sure that we made clear. Deja is very involved in the community. (laughs) She gives a lot of her time and her resources, but some things are going to have a rate attached to it. Yes, they sure will. These are my new rates. Deja, we don't have a budget. Well, you know what? Uh, What I can do is I do one pro bono speaking thing per quarter or per month or whatever. And then the rest, we got to put dollars on. Because you're paying for so-and-so to come here. Absolutely. And I'm just as valuable as they are. Absolutely. So tell us about Goal Planner. Well, the planner... That's what I was get the goal. It was just for last year, 2018. Mm-hmm. And it was just something to be able to help people write down their stuff. So I found, again, this is another thing that I'm learning, that you have to know your audience. I know my audience, but I've learned something else about them. My audience is not the planner audience per okay. se. They are, they like the notebooks, but they didn't want to invest in that either because I put a price tag on that. Mm-hmm. So that was retailing for $50, but the planners that I go and get are $70 online. Listen, and a good planner is expensive. Out. Right. Planners are expensive. So um, I think people want to, they're not used to that. So I want to bring them up to scale with that. Sure. But I did it just so we could write stuff down so we could see this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm going. So my next book, my hustler um, journal will be more of a notebook, but it's going to be leather bound and you can tear out the pages if you need to, but it will still have your goals and stuff. Cause I still have like a recap of the year and what your goals are. What are your three things? What are your three words, mm-hmm. your three themes for the year? So people can get some structure around what they're doing. Cause we get so caught up in life. Right. Forget. So you got to go back to home base and remember. So that's what the book was about. Okay, so where can people find out about Hustle Her and everywhere you're going to be, etc.? Yes, you can find all that at DejaVuSpeaks.com. Site will be updated because we were a little slacking, grabbing busy. You've had a lot going on, getting your syndication deal going. Yes, Yes. I'm learning that I need to delegate. Yes. I knew this before, but I really have to do it. 
So DejaVuSpeaks.com and at DejaVuSpeaks on all social. And see, you got the same social media handle or handle yes. across the board, which makes yes. things so much easier. Mm-hmm. That's well, how it's supposed to be. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. And now you have to go talk for yes, four more I hours. I have this water. <laughs> it's filtering through me. Well, I appreciate <laughs> it. To our listeners, make sure you go find Deja online. Deja Vu Speaks across all social media handles. DejaVuSpeaks.com and tune into her show. Ratings are still important. People, and you don't have to be in the car. Correct, no. right? You can listen through listen the website. WBLS.com. You can listen to SiriusXM, the Heat Channel number 46. That's 6 a.m. to 12 noon. And then any station that's going to be picking me up, all the stations in Jesus' name, we pray. I'm across the country. We'll let you know about that. All the stations across the country. <laughs> and September 29th, are there still tickets available for there your Circle of Sisters? There are tickets available. The Ignite Your Hustle panel begins at 1 p.m. So join us. Man, I'm just so proud of you. Thank you. This is awesome. So folks, find her. Make sure you follow her on social media. Look her up across her media platforms. And if you're in other markets, it's coming. So look for her show to reach you as well. And as always, remember to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. Thank you for listening to the December 26th podcast. I am your host, Delisha. This episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa and music was provided by Thobal. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December 26th. That's December 26ER.